Phaedra Cook, editor and publisher of Houston Food Finder. And this is the second and final memorial podcast episode in honor of Cleverly Stone. Cleverly was a long-standing food journalist in Houston. She had the Cleverly show that played on Saturday mornings at CBS Radio 950, and perhaps most notably, founded Houston Restaurant Weeks. And as I'm recording this, we are in the midst of Houston Restaurant Weeks. There are a couple of weeks, maybe two weeks left to go on it. And so this is an excellent time to have the second episode. I'm going to confess that I have procrastinated on getting this second episode out. And I think the reason is it's hard to say goodbye. It's I know this is this really is kind of my final goodbye. It's not that I'm not gonna think about her. I got to speak with and get to know her daughter, Katie, in the last podcast episode. If you haven't heard that already strongly encourage you to go listen to it. Katie, her daughter, is a wonderful human being who has taken on the awesome responsibility of what I like to joke around as being herding cats, (laughs) coordinating with restaurant owners, and putting together Houston Restaurant Weeks this year. And I'm so glad that her and the people behind her were able to pull this off because more than ever, the restaurants needed that extra boost this year. This year, because of COVID, because of the dining room shutdowns, because of the reduction in guest occupancy, restaurants are only committed to donating a dollar per meal. So this is going to help the Houston Food Bank, which also desperately needs it, but also it really helps restaurants more than ever this time around because they've just got to have it. We've already lost a lot of restaurants. There's already been a lot that have closed and are not ever coming back. So you're supporting the ones who are still here as much as you were supporting the Houston Food Bank this year. And don't worry if you're not ready to dine in yet. It's okay. For the first time, Houston Restaurant Week meals are available for to go at most places. So you can do that. We're going to talk with two people who were very important to Cleverly in different ways. First off, I'm going to speak with Benjamin Berg, the owner of restaurants like B&B Butchers. He's partnered with Robert, uh, Chef Robert Del Grande on what is now called the Annie, formerly Cafe Annie, and prior to that, our DG Bar Annie. And Benjamin Berg was a big supporter of Cleverly's, and as you'll hear during this podcast, they had a lot in common, too. So it becomes pretty obvious as to how they may have seen a kinship And I will also speak with Mary Lamb and Cleverly on the Cleverly show on Saturday mornings would often 
call Mary her crack research department or her crack research team because if something came up during the show, like a, a fact about food, a fact about restaurant that needs some research, Mary would do it and send the information over to Claire, Cleverly. So she could include that in her radio show. And Mary has an interesting background herself, too. So I am very glad to talk with both of these people. Very glad to have gotten to know Katie a little bit. And I am really sad that Cleverly's gone. As I have been very open about Cleverly and I were good friends, but we didn't always get along. Sometimes we clashed. And part of the reason for that is there really isn't anybody else who was still out there, still publishing, still being a reporter and a journalist who I shared as much in common with. Cleverly ran her own business, essentially. I mean, she ran her own media business. I am running my own media business. And there are times where you can feel very protective of that. And there are times where you can feel very alone and like you're under supported for all of the hard work that you're doing. So I would say anytime we clashed, it was because Cleverly was very cognizant of all of the years of work that she put on uh, and how hard it can be sometimes to maintain your business and how hard it can be when sometimes you don't feel like you've got a lot of help in doing it or you don't have the financial help that you need in doing it. So I see those similarities and I'm quite sure that she did too. But we talked a lot and we talked a lot before her death and I know a lot about what she went through and what she suffered. And it truly sucks. Cleverly had, in fact, a very soft heart. And it's why, it's because she cared is why she worked so hard to help other people. It's why she worked so hard to help restaurants, independent restaurants especially. It's why she worked so hard to raise money for the Houston Food Bank for people who had suffered, for people who did not have enough money to buy food. And it's a tremendous cause. It is her greatest legacy. And I am so glad it is continuing. Let's get into the interview with Benjamin Berg. Hi, Ben. Hello. Thanks so much for agreeing to talk with me today about Cleverly. I really appreciate it, and I know that we're going to miss her a whole lot. How did you first become aware of Cleverly? Um, actually, it's kind of a funny story. Cleverly, I had just moved to Houston in um, 2011, and I was the general manager. I just it was like September 
late September of 2011, I was general manager at Smith Wolenski, and I received a phone call from um, Cleverly looking for where the donation was from Smith Wolenski for restaurant weeks. <laughs> I had no idea about this or anything at the time, so... Um, but then, you know, she kind of heard my accent and she's like, you're from New York. And we talked all about the Northeast and I, we talked the first time for like 45 minutes to an hour. And then, you know, from there, she invited me on the show. She kind of took me under her wing, showed me around Houston, told me every place I had to check out. And that's kind of how it started. And then I got Smith Olenski involved with, uh, a radio show and just goes from there. It's kind of funny because you're the second person I've spoken with who had a, a New York background, and I think her eyes really did just light up whenever she ran into somebody with that shared history and kind of that shared culture. Yeah, well, us New Yorkers like to stick together a little bit, you know. <laughs> we latch on to each other. You're you're your own tribe. Exactly. <laughs> So you met her while you were still at Smith and Walensky, and then of course you went on to start B&B Butchers, and B&B Butchers mm-hmm. became, I think, kind of a, just a touchstone for Houston Restaurant Weeks. Whenever I would see people say where they were planning to go for Houston Restaurant Weeks, I mean, B&B Butchers was all, almost always on their list of, I've got to be sure and go during Houston Restaurant Weeks. Why do you think it was so popular? I mean, we gave a big menu. You know, I started realizing, you know, one from an operational, obviously it's a steakhouse, so it's considered probably one of the better deals. But, you know, because of my relationship with Cleverly and how much, you know, she cared for Restaurant Weeks, we got competitive with it and we wanted to put out a large menu, one that really, really showed value. You know, we we didn't give a smaller steak or, you know, everything was the same size and then just tons of options and i think our first year at b&b butchers we were like second or third in donations and then the past three years after that we were for four years well i think three we were number one how much money approximately did you end up raising for the houston food bank in the past what four years this would be yeah it would be Pretty close to 400000 300 wow. and change. Because in the last three years, I think we did, last year I know we did like 98000 the year before that, 97. I think the year before that was like 87. Yeah. And then the year before that was in the 60s or something. Wow. Now you went on Cleverly's radio show pretty regularly, right? Yes. Yeah. What yeah. are some fun memories from you being on the show? One just hanging out with her, but I'm not a uh, not a big dancer, and she always <laughs> tried me to do that that chair dancing thing on the yeah. show. Yeah, And I always just kind of like nodded my head, and she goes, "Ben, why aren't you dancing?" And I was like, "This is when I take time to read my New York Post on my phone." <laughs> <laughs> and she did. She loved music and yeah. the uh, the whole chair dancing thing. It it was a thing. In but I but I. I I felt very honored when I finally got a theme song with that meat song she had. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you think that Cleverly had a big role in increasing the visibility of your restaurants? Because now you've got, you know, BB Lemon as well, plus BB Italia. 
which is where uh, Carmel's used to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I mean, she was, you know, we became friends, I would almost say, before, like, a business, you know, dealings as well, you know? And I know she was one of my biggest supporters. I mean, I had taken her, except for Annie, because um, she was already kind of ill at the time when we started that. I, I took her to every restaurant and showed her the spaces before, you know, we even opened. You know, I think she thought I was crazy with B&B Butchers when I just saw, showed her this empty space, this, like, empty, falling-down brick building. Um, but, she, yeah, she was a huge supporter of me. And, yeah, but the great thing about her, she was such a supporter of restaurants and chefs, and she wanted the best for us. Yes. Yes, I think so, too. I think I've heard from many restaurateurs who just feel like Houston Restaurant Weeks changed the month of August for them, a traditionally slow month. And Houston Restaurant Weeks makes local independent Houston restaurants a hot ticket for diners, and they get really excited about going. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a quiet month, and, you know, what would you start with 10 restaurants, and now it's like 250, and the amount of money raised. And it, and it packs the restaurants. I mean, if you do it the right way. Why do you think it's important to support the Houston Food Bank? Obviously, it has a, a like a really good mission, right, to feed people. I think it makes sense coming from restaurants to help give back. We make our living off of food and helping those who can't. I mean, it's also it's a pretty tremendous operation they have there. I've been there many times with her and gotten tours. And they do a great job. What personally are you going to miss the most about Cleverly? I mean, there's going to be a ton. I mean, just, you know, the Saturday mornings, bringing her a bagel, going on the radio show, definitely missing the phone calls when she calls me. Ben, I got to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. (laughs) You You know, hearing her gossip about this and, yeah, we would we we had we would speak sometimes on the phone forty five minutes an hour, and um, just kind of missing that. Really, she always she always had a lot of interesting perspectives and opinions, and and certainly when I talked with her, I mean sometimes she would bring up things that I just quite frankly hadn't thought of. She had an interesting lens, I think, on the Houston restaurant scene. Oh yeah, definitely, and she had no problem uh, expressing her opinion. You touched on something earlier that I failed to mention, and that is that you have the Annie now as well. Now, I believe you partnered on that with Robert Del Grande. That previously was Cafe Annie. Mm -hmm. And then you've got kind of a special supper club, too. Well, we, we, we opened Turner's downstairs, which is kind of a special little bar, piano room. You know, but it's still a full restaurant, but completely separate from the Emmy. When, but we uh, only had that open for six days before we got shut down. <laughs> I knew it hadn't been very long. This has just been such a, a brutal time well, for the industry. And I salute every restaurant owner who has dared to open a new restaurant since the reopenings. It's like, okay, good, good luck. This is really tough. It's really tough for everybody. Yeah. And I, 
and I think that's a good reason for why Houston Restaurant Week needs to go on this year too, because I think the the industry needs that that shot in the arm. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes. I, you know, it it goes two ways, right? Like I, I think for us, we want we want to go forward, but it also you, you, I think it can help to to comfort like the guests and the rest of the population that okay if it's okay to move forward with this things are getting better it's okay to go out now i mean it wouldn't matter if the governor told us right now we could be at 100 percent. i'm not gonna have 100 percent, right right so, right um, and and that's tough too because you've got the social distancing requirement tables have to be six feet apart so I don't know when a hundred percent's coming, but right now it's certainly you know <laughs> maximum occupancy just ain't gonna happen. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me about Cleverly. I really appreciate it. I know you're really busy, but I know you were a very oh, no. me- meaningful person to her. No, anything for her. But thank you, thank you for doing this. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much, and hopefully I'll get to see you in the near future. Please, come out. (laughs) All right, thank you. I'd love to. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was, of course, Benjamin Berg of several extremely popular and successful Houston restaurants, B&B Butchers, B.B. Italia, B.B. Lemon, The Annie, and like him, I have very fond memories of being on the Cleverly show and the chair dancing and Cleverly loved Motown and I do too. So really great memories. I thought about starting this show with Motown music, but I also wanted something that was, I think, a little reflective of the moment. And that little intro piece of music is called Metaphors by Art of Noise, and that's what Cleverly was. She was a metaphor. Our next interview and our last interview for this memorial episode is with Mary Lamb, who Cleverly called the crack research department of the Cleverly show on Saturday mornings. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast to talk about Cleverly. I know it hasn't been long at all since our loss and I know she was your friend she was my friend I'm very sorry for both of us we're gonna we're gonna miss her a lot yeah she's a big loss she's a a huge loss I think you've known her longer and better than I have so I wanted to talk about your history and what you knew about her and what you're going to remember about her. First question is, when did you first become aware of Cleverly? I certainly knew about Restaurant Weeks, and I think that's probably where she got my attention. And the first time I would talk to her on the radio, I actually won a prize by calling in one day. And then during Restaurant Weeks kickoff at a, you know, she always had a big event at the beginning of of, uh, restaurant weeks. And it was just one week back then. That's how long ago it was. I met her at Rainbow Lodge. And I went over and introduced myself. 
And we got to chatting. She was very friendly and gracious, and we talked about our cute little purses and our cute shoes. <laughs> and she, uh, I think Mark was with me, my my spouse, and I introduced him. And she always had a soft spot for him because he was a New Yorker as well. So anytime we were ever at an event, she would always make sure that um, he sat next to her, which was I thought was kind of cute. So we got to talking about things, and I told her I had a background in radio, which I did, and obviously an interest in food. And, it, you know, we just kind of rolled from there, and I would occasionally call in, and, uh, you know, she didn't make it very hard to win those free gift cards. <laughs> and she, So I, I uh, you know, it just kind of came from there, and one day she invited me to be on the show. And I went, I had a wonderful time, and it was really nice to get back into the studio again. Well, this is how I vectored into becoming the crack research team, was because I would be sitting here in my office listening to her on my computer, and she'd ask a question. You know, she was always like, what about this? Is How do you pronounce this? If what is this? What is that? And I would look it up, and I would get the answer for her. Sometimes, if I was here at home, I could just pound it into the computer and get the answer for her, and then I'd call her or text her, and that's how that started. Now, I never knew you had a radio background, too. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. I have a degree in broadcast journalism from Ohio University, which was, yeah, I went to study journalism and kind of got into radio. Well, this was the other thing. She knew that if her producer didn't show up, I could go in and run the board. (laughs) Wow, that's handy. And Well, thank God I never had to. But, um, you know, so I knew my way around the the buttons and the the toggles and the switches and the the cues and and things like that. So she appreciated the fact that, I mean, she's a pro. She knew what she was doing. She ran her own station like a a champ. That's why she and I, you know, really connected. Of course, our love of food was always there. I really enjoyed eating in restaurants. I I'm a, I'm a pretty accomplished home cook. I did some time in culinary school, though I didn't graduate. And so she, you know, I was able to take all that knowledge. And I know the difference between hollandaise and bechamel and a macaroon and a macron and all those other things. So I think that was valuable knowledge for her, too. She could always pick my brain, and she knew if I didn't have the answer, I'd look it up pretty quickly. I like the way how you put that you did some time in culinary school. <laughs> well, you know, sharp objects are involved and <laughs> hot and and sweat and all those other things. And um, yeah, I got I got out of college. There were no jobs, and my dad says you have to do something. So uh, I went up to CIA in Hyde Park and took classes. We would go out to eat after the show, and I thought, well, I found my tribe. This is my sister from another mother because we agreed on so many things, things she liked that I didn't like, things I liked that she didn't like, and it just grew from there exponentially. You mentioned how fun it was to be on the radio show, and it really was. You go into the studio, Cleverly loved music. Yes. Oh, she did. She did. And so during the the musical breaks, we you know I'll be chair dancing. Oh, the chair dancing! I know. <laughs> she made she made it entertaining. Mm-hmm. But in addition to the 
guests that she had on the show, all sorts of important restaurateurs and chefs from around Houston, and then sometimes just people who loved food. Well, one of the things I really liked about it was it wasn't just restaurateurs and chefs. She brought us in, the general public. But she also would include you in the show. If you had something important coming up, she was more than happy to help her promote it. I mean, that that's a gift. It really is, because she didn't have to do that. It she is. Have... And she translated those gifts to TV also. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Friday morning, they did a whole hour on Fox about her. And it was just, you know, I was all verklempt by the end. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, they, they really, I mean, I knew they loved her there, but the the everyone had so many wonderful things to say. And, and uh, I bet she just lit that place up when she got there. I mean, I can imagine when you start cooking in a TV studio, everyone comes running when they smell the food. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. I always loved that she brought a sense of fun to her TV segments, too. Like when mm-hmm. it was a holiday. Oh, she, God, the costumes. Yes, exactly. She wasn't too proud to, you know, put on a fun costume. And, oh, my God. Do you remember the uh, banana? No. Oh, she dressed up as a banana one day. It was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Hats and props and, and God help, Thanksgiving, Christmas. (laughs) It wasn't just a a Santa hat. It was the whole whole nine yards, the whole costume. I seem to remember. I think she had some fabulous witch costumes for Halloween. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. So it's, uh, you know, this is somebody who just, through 110% of herself into what she did. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah. Really. I lost my mom to cancer, and that was something that I had shared with with Cleverly when she started her battle. I lost my mom. I was very young. I I was only 21. Oh, God. And Cleverly and I texted quite a bit, and I just know from going through this with my mom, my mom didn't want to be remembered for her suffering or for the disease. Yeah. And I think that there are things that Cleverly would like us to remember her for. What do you think that she wants us to remember about her the most? I really think that she would want us to, and this is something we need to continue, is to remember the people who are food insecure. She put that phrase in my head that I really didn't think about because, you know, I grew up, you know, I I never was food insecure. I was one of the fortunate people that just the food was always there. I could always afford to feed myself. And I never really thought about it, this phrase, until I would go to the grocery store and see some woman with three kids hanging off the cart and she's trying to debate, you know, how can I buy this gallon of milk and this loaf of bread and make this check last until the end of the month because the end comes a lot faster than the end of the check does. I think that her her contribution to the food bank is phenomenal. No one has ever raised that much money for any organization, I don't think. And I think that's what she would want us – you know, I don't think she would want us to remember her as somebody who died from cancer. She's somebody who lived to feed others. Yes. And that's the bottom line for her. I think that's what she would want us to be thinking about. Absolutely. And I thought it was very caring uh, in the press release that we 
received from Melissa Stevens of, of Stevens Group, one of the things mm-hmm. in that press release on her death was that Cleverly wants to, to make sure that Houston Restaurant Weeks goes on, especially this year, because the restaurants have already been through so much with oh, the yes. COVID-19 situation. Definitely. And this, this could be, August could be a significant step in them getting to recover. I, I hope it is. I really do. It's going to be a huge struggle. That brings us to another point that is very important about Cleverly and what she did. She had an intense focus on independent Houston restaurants. Yes. She yes. wasn't chain-focused. It was no. always about these chefs and these restaurants that were, you know, homegrown in Houston. Well, the mom-and-pop stuff. The yes. people who just had an idea and ran with it. And yes. that that was that was her those were her babies. Those were her she nurtured them and she patronized them and she pushed us in that direction and she gave them attention that they couldn't afford to buy. Absolutely. And uh that's and she she and I talked about this one day and she said, I want them to succeed. I want to help them if I can and I'm like, Well she gave them the best thing that they could have, which is exposure. Yes. And because up until a few months ago, Houston is was restaurant rich. We were knee deep in new stuff, and she supported even the little guys who'd been around a while. One of the people that she took really good care of and often mentioned and promoted was Carmelo Moro in his restaurant, and he was there at the end to help her out. I, I'll tell you a little secret, Carmelo paid for a cleaning company to come into her apartment every week. And she clean. actually did tell me that. Yeah. Yep. yeah. He, he seems like a super good gentleman. He's charming and gracious. You know, She made a friend, and she kept a, a good friendship. She's good that way. Honestly, I, without Cleverly to tell me what's going on, you know, I would really love to have her back and have her document every Saturday morning the steps that we're taking to get back to where we were. I mean, it's never going to be, you know, a hot spot on every corner, not for a long, long time. But I will really miss her input on the industry and all the stuff she knew. Because, you know, what you heard was just the tip of the iceberg versus what she knew. She knew all the history. She knew going back to all these people and their history. And she'd sit down and say, well, I knew you when you cooked here or cooked there. She remembered where they had worked. She'd be talking to a chef, well, you know, and, um, you know, she goes back 15, 20, 25 years with some of these people. So. Yes, yes. Mary, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you. I really, I appreciate you sharing all these memories, and you had so many excellent points. And I really appreciate it. We're all going to miss her terribly. I think so. She leaves a big hole. She was a a big personality, a unique individual. None of us can step in and and fill her shoes. I mean, I think all any of us can do is just the best we can to continue helping the Houston restaurant industry, especially at such a horrible time. Absolutely. I'm... I can't wait to see you guys and some of the other people again. I'm so sorry that we can't gather and memorialize cleverly in a, in a all together in one place, but that that time will come too. I mean, 
you know, she's, her memory's not going to fade just because she's not there every Saturday. She's her legacy is out there for the long for the long haul. Absolutely, so, and I, I do think my understanding is when the the timing is deemed right that mm-hmm. there will be a, a, a wake and a opportunity for people like you and me to to participate to see our friends in the community and and say goodbye together. Yeah. I think so. I, I hope so. She would love it because it wasn't about her. It was, it, you know, she wanted to leave this behind. She wanted to leave this world knowing that she had done something better for somebody. And yes. God knows, look at all the meals that she created, you know, with the $3 here and $5 there. And um, the food bank, oh, God help them. You know, I think there's no time like the present for us. And I'm encouraging everyone, if you want to do something in Cleverly's memory, donate to the food bank. Absolutely. They so many people. They they have been so demanded upon by all of oh, the yeah. people in Houston who lost their jobs, who are in need. They need that help, and that is a phenomenal way to honor Cleverly. Donate to the Houston Food Bank. Absolutely. Mary, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my my pleasure. It's always good to talk to you, my dear. Good to talk to you, and hopefully I will see you in person sooner rather than later. You know where to find me. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Take care. All right, girl. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the end of this final memorial episode for Cleverly Stone. Thanks very much to Benjamin Berg and Mary Lamb for taking the time to share their memories of Cleverly with us. I can't presume to speak for Cleverly, but I do think there were probably a few things that she would like for you to know. One is it takes a long time and a lot of work to become an experienced journalist in the food media world. Don't forget about the ones that we have now who have worked in this field for years and years. They do a lot of good for restaurants and restaurant owners. Secondly, never pass up an excuse to dance. Cleverly didn't. When she heard a song that she loved, she would celebrate it. Life is too short not to. And finally, remember... There are always people who are a lot worse off than you are. Don't forget about those who perhaps don't even know where their next meal is coming from. And like Mary said, if you'd like to honor Cleverly's memory, support Houston Restaurant Weeks when it's running and donate to the food bank when you can. And that's something you can do year round. You don't have to wait for Restaurant Weeks to come along to help out. There are many times that the Houston Food Bank could use the support, and if you can't donate, consider volunteering. The Houston Food Bank is there for us when there are disasters like hurricanes. As I am recording this, there's a hurricane, Hurricane Laura, in the Gulf right now expected to come at least near Houston. That's always a time when the Houston Food Bank is stretched and there's a lot of demand. The holidays can be very hard for people. And, of course, 
With so many people who have been out of work due to coronavirus, they need everything they can get. Cleverly, I'll miss you and our conversations and your interesting perspectives on Houston's food world. To conclude this podcast, it may sound like a strangely upbeat song, but this is one that Cleverly played during her radio show when both my husband and I were appearing on it. I also suspect that it's named for what is probably her favorite, most relaxing month of the year. This is September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Take care.